Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And let's face it, what's going on with healthcare and your money is your business. And uh, we need to be more and more aware of it. That is one of the main reasons why we asked David Wilcox to be uh, a recurring guest on the program. He is uh, one of the brightest people I know when it comes to talking about economic responsibility, financial responsibility, and, and navigating uh, financial responsibility in, uh, when, when it comes to dealing with our health care expenses. It, it's, it's such a quandary, and there's so many challenges on so many different fronts. And one of the things David has talked about often is the fact that, uh, you know, they, they get people when they're in crisis. You're not thinking about money when you've been pounded with a horrible disease. Uh, you're thinking about how do I mitigate the disease, and that's just one more form of exploitation that's so frustrated. And so what's great about David is that he is a, a neurospy profession uh, uh, doctor-prepared nurse is uh, what it's described, and, and uh, so it is Dr. D David Wilcox. And, uh, you know, in his own personal story of his daughter and who was born with severe health issues that really drove him into this field. I mean, take a second just to talk about that, David. To me, I'm always in awe when I hear about the blue-collar guy who became a, a doctor uh, in order to help his daughter. It's very heroic. In fact, you have a great book that we'll be referring to. You need to write a book at some point just about that story. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, when I was when I was young, I wasn't the best child, and I um, had a daughter when I was 19 years old. And so I would have to take my daughter to various appointments because she suffered from seizures amongst a whole other array of um, medical problems that she had. And so I was part of that system. I was the person taking their daughter. And although I had a lot of respect for the clinicians I interacted with, I could tell that the system itself left something to be desired with the insurance notifications I would get and the problems um, that I had. So, um, you know, when I had the chance later on in life, I was in manufacturing, um, I got laid off, but I had all these tuition benefits. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go to school and become a, a clinician because I want to help people because I saw the people who helped my daughter. And that morphed into let me keep going back to school in my adult life to get degree after degree after degree. And then I figured when I got done with this doctorate in nursing practice that I wanted to actually take my experience, that 19-year-old kid, and apply it to the people out there who just don't understand the healthcare system. What's going on? Why does it cost so much? Um, lots of people, 40% of Americans will not even access it, which means that if they show up with something early, it gets progressively worse. And when they do access it, it becomes a very costly matter for them. So there's people out there like me, patient advocates, that want to change the system. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing and why we're going to uh, talk about um, some free market enterprise into the uh, prescription drug pricing market that we saw just recently and why that's so promising. Yeah, it's very exciting. So go ahead and you jump right into that. The the Eli Lilly story is what we're you know what we're talking about, and it's huge. And I believe it has a ripple effect potential. Yep, it does actually. So um, let's talk about the pharmaceutical industry in general. Prior to the signing of the Inflation Reduction Act um, into law back in August of 2022, they were largely unregulated, meaning that they could jack their prices up over the cost of inflation 
and suffer no penalty for it. So you can see, I just saw something that um, high prescription drug prices is one of the top growing expenses in the American household, right? So we're spending all kinds of money. About a quarter of our budget goes to um, Medicare, Medicaid, and the government. Um, and about a quarter of our budget goes to health care if we're sick um, at, in our houses. So interestingly enough, part of that legislation took effect on January 1 for Medicare. So um, Part D in Medicare, it limits the amount that uh, recipients have to pay to $35 a month for insulin costs, um, which is huge, right? Because before that, people were paying, they were paying up to, they had a deductible of $7,050, and then they would pay 7% on top of that. So their costs mounted, especially for high-priced chemo drugs or autoimmune disorder drugs. People were really paying, even with Medicare. So now that that's going to be capped at 2000 and insulin. So, so help, help us a little bit for those who aren't familiar. Sorry, David. Uh, for those who yep. aren't familiar, so they had to, they had to reach their 7000 even before the insurance would kick in. What would their monthly be? What would their actual monthly be? Well, it's dependent, right, because it's dependent on how much you make also. So if you, you, you go into it, you know, um, at wages like under 100000 it's going to be a lot less than somebody who enters that marketplace that's making $200,000. So it's very, very... So we're saying less than 100000 Say it, less than 100000 And we're not going to hold you to it. it you know, is there's no car. This isn't the price is right. <laughs> no car for you if, you if you get it wrong. But, but under a hundred thousand, what what, what, are pe- what are what are people paying or are paying uh, when it comes to this? Yeah, for Medicare Part D, it was roughly around sixty-five to ninety dollars, I believe, um, depending on you know depending on their certain circumstances. So it's right about that a month. Right, and you're not as it's really insane for whatever reason. You know, yeah. it, it's. Yeah, and non-Medicare is a whole different set of rules. We had people paying hundreds and people literally dying because they were deleting their uh, their insulin. Yeah, so that's the other part of it. So in that original bill, they actually wanted to cap it at $35 a month per person if they were insured or if they were on Medicare. That was stripped out of the bill, and it just went to Medicare recipients. So... In that process, what we found was that there were certain players out there that knew the cost of insulin was too much. So, um, and Kevin and I talked about this, but in the year 2019, there were five people who died from rationing their insulin. In 2018, there were four people. You know, one death in a country like ours from rationing insulin, something that you need in order to survive, is ridiculous. We're the richest nation in the world, and if we can't you know, if we can't provide insulin for people at a minimum, that's crazy. So what normally costs on average in 2018 $98 for a vial of insulin here in this country costs $9 in France. So there is, there's mm-hmm. a big gap, and, and everybody knows that we pay more for prescription drug prices in this country where they're manufactured than anywhere else in the world um, due to what we're told is research and development costs. So basically, Americans swallow that research and development costs. So up until now, pharmaceutical companies weren't held responsible for, for raising their prices higher than inflation. Now, in October of last year, that became a reality for them. So if they do raise their prices higher than the rate of inflation, they have to pay it back to the government. 
um, which is new, right? That's a big regulatory item we've never seen before, as well as being able to negotiate some drug prices. Um, in 2026, we start with 15 that Medicare has never been able to do before. There was a law that said they couldn't negotiate drug prices, even though they're one of the biggest payers in this country. So as we start to see that chipped away at, it was interesting to watch Eli Lilly's announcement, which they said was a great humanitarian effort, right? We're going to cap insulin at $35 a vial for uh, people who are on insurance. So, um, you know, as a great humanitarian effort, but when we really examine what's going on in the insulin marketplace, now Eli Lilly is no minor player. They supply about 30% of the insulin that's used worldwide. So they're a pretty major player in this. But when we look at what happened on January 1st of this year, when Medicare capped it down to $35 a vial, we look and there's a company out in Colorado that's also going to offer an insulin at about $30 a vial. We see the state of California introduced some legislation to cap it down. Mark Cuban, online pharmacy, and if you don't know about Mark Cuban, you need to Google his online pharmacy because he's bringing generic medications to you at a reduced cost at some time. It's even less than what you would pay with a copay and insurance, which, which speaks volumes. So we've got these free market enterprises starting to enter the insulin market, right? So Eli Lilly looking at the big picture of, of what's going to happen, because Walmart has been offering some insulins at $25 a vial for many years. Um, they finally realize that they're being priced out of this market. So unless they did something major to the price structure of this, they were not going to have a viable business in the future, um, which I find to be yeah. amazing because we've never seen this in healthcare before. We've never seen pressures from, from minor league players that are coming up become major league players to say, hey, you don't have to pay $98 for a vial of insulin when you can get it at Walmart for $25. Um, so it's, it's an interesting time to see that they actually lowered this. And I find it really interesting because the pharmaceutical industry, to a tune of seven <coughs> figures, really lobbied to get that insulin measure out of the Inflation Reduction Act so that they could continue to charge greater prices for insulin, um, and they were successful at it. But now that we've got some other players coming in that are undercutting their costs, now that it, now it's a different story and they have to do something to adjust. Yeah, and, and I have no doubt that, that the market pressure is always the best, uh, you know, in terms of competition, right? That's what made America great. You know, I, I, I hear you say, uh, you know, it's ridiculous the richest country in the world, uh, you know, is in the state they were when it came to making uh, insulin available. And, and unfortunately, we have a bunch of people who apparently think, well, it's because it's so expensive, we are the richest country in the world. I mean, it's that bizarre thinking that uh, is out there. But one thing I think played, played a factor, because although they won that lobby war uh, when it came to uh, insulin, uh, the big pharma, uh, they sit there, and, they, and I know because my work, when I used to work in the U.S. Senate, I worked um, in, in public policy for many years, they know this is a warning shot over their bow. Okay, we won this time, but eventually we're not going to win. We're better off regulating ourselves more than letting the uh, government do it, because when they do it, it, it never goes back. There's never a change. That's right. And, and don't let them kid you. They're still making a hefty profit at $35 a vial. 
Um, you know, so it's not like they're suffering any. They're just mar- bringing that cost down, which is being passed on to the regular consumer. So hopefully, you know, when we look at the statistics for 2023, we won't see any deaths from people rationing their insulin. Um, that, that would be the end game here. But just to see the fact that they've been pressured, and like you said, they're starting to self-regulate, which has never happened in this industry before, uh, unless you were one of the major players who upped your cancer drugs so much that you caught you know, you caught the government's attention and they came after you, then you kind of had to drop the price. But it just never has happened before. So this is very promising that we're starting to see some results in this area due to, you know, due to people like Mark Cuban, who's selling generic medications at 15% more than what they normally cost to make just to keep his business viable and really isn't in it for the money. Um, So yeah, the pharmaceutical industries are starting to re- starting to wake up and starting to realize that they're going to have some stiff competition. Now, how this will take place with cancer drugs or autoimmune drugs remains to be seen as they're um, a lot harder to produce and very well patented, you know, for the, for the new discoveries and the new medications that they put out. Yeah. Yeah. Is it 5%? I actually, I mean, 15%, I actually thought it was more like 5%. In other words, you cover the no. cost plus 5%. You think it's 15? No. Yeah, it's 15. Oh. Well, that's a reasonable profit. That's not a bad profit. Uh, and again, you know, what I loved is when I saw interviews with Mark Cuban, he said, well, you know, there is an altruistic side to this, but ultimately I look at this landscape and I can see where I can still make a lot of money and still help a lot of people. And so that's interesting when you look at that. Because 15% yeah. is, is it some change. Yep. And when you look at the, I mean, you look at Eli Lilly's take in 2020, it was 25 billion in profit, 25 billion. Um, you know, meanwhile, you've got people rationing their insulin and dying, you know, to, so we can continue to give our shareholders profits on top of that. So, yeah, um, I mean, this is, this is something that it's exciting to patient advocates because we've been wanting to see something like this happen for a long time. And the way that it's happening is really promising for us. You know, there's minimal regulation produced by the government in this space and now like you said they're self-policing they're bringing their own prices down and self-regulating because they know what the end game is they they produce charts they look at long-term growth and they know exactly what's going to happen in the insulin industry there are over eight million people who are dependent on insulin in america alone you know as a life-saving drug so this is a huge money maker it's a huge move to see it capped down to $35 a vial. Yeah, I think so. I think absolutely. And uh, long overdue. It's so funny when I think about, you know, they say roughly 90% of all new medications are developed in the United States. This is why it needs to be, quote, free market driven. And uh, that's the argument we hear. And I, I don't want to squash innovation, but, you know, this is the numbers of looking at Cubans' uh, program. Uh, there's not a, there's no squashing of uh, innovation through pricing. There's still plenty for them to work with. You know, if they had a multi-layered sales team, that'd be one thing. Their sales team are people who are saving 40% for what they used to pay, 50% for what they used to pay, and going out there and driving people to the site. Um, you, you know, we, we are so far from squashing innovation, and it's not like even if the, the uh, system was more 
fair, more reasonable, that uh, Big Pharma is going to get out of the space. That's just an insane proposition. Uh, to me, it's just a reality check for Big Pharma. Yes, definitely, and one that we've needed to see for years. So it's very promising that it's occurring. Um, you know, and Big Pharma makes their money off from everyday drugs. Everybody thinks it's the new cancer drug they're going to make their money off from, right, or the new autoimmune disease drug they're going to make their money off from, but it's not. It's the everyday medications that they continue to, continue to hike up on January 1st of every year um, so that they can, pop it, they can pocket more profits. It's very subtle. It happens. Everybody sees it, and I'm sure your listeners have seen All of a sudden, I'm paying more money for that medication um, in 2023 than I did in 2022, and that's why. Yeah, very good. Thanks so much, as always. Final thoughts as we begin to wrap it up. Yeah, so um, so like I said, this is very promising. If you want to stay afloat of um, my newsletters, and um, and I'll be and I'll be talking about this in an upcoming newsletter, um, you can go to drdavidwilcox.com, um, and you can sign up there, or you can go to drdavidhelps.com and get a free healthcare resource guide, which is one-click access to Mark Cuban's online pharmacy, as well as some price transparency tools so you can price out any procedure in your area with your insurance uh, to see what it's going to cost you out of pocket. Um, it's one-click access. It's free to you. All you need to do is sign up at drdavidhelps.com. And again, my book is out on Amazon, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System. Um, pick up a copy of that. It's a nice manual. And even if you don't read every chapter, when you get in trouble with the pharmaceutical industries, there's a whole chapter on that. The insurance company, there's a whole chapter on that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's a phenomenal uh, – I like the term reference, like, like you mentioned, a reference tool that uh, you can navigate the, uh, through this. Also, do you want to mention you've got a great, great series over at dailybusinessjournal.com, one of our partner websites. Why don't you talk about that real quick? Sure. So if you're, if you're toying with maybe wanting to buy the book but you want a sneak preview, um, many of the articles that you'll see over there are actually excerpts from the book in which I've massaged a little bit for the current state. So you'll read about the pharmaceutical companies, the history, and why your prescription drug prices cost so much, and more importantly, what you can do about it as an individual healthcare consumer. You'll see that in the insurance companies also. So, um, and, you know, for those of you who might be between jobs, who might be losing their healthcare, there's a whole piece that we did on that last week that's up there that talks about what are your options if you lose your employer-sponsored health care. So just important stuff for people when they need it. Um, so I would strongly recommend you go out and take a look at that series. Yeah, I think this is a phenomenal series. You've done uh, a, you've done a couple now, and I'm I'm hoping to see more uh, with some other media partners of ours. All excerpted, easy for me to say, from your uh, your book. Your book is just phenomenal. Every everyone should have one, and uh, because let's face it, we all have health issues, and the better read you are before you have health issues, the better you're going to navigate it. You know, someone's like doing uh, car insurance. You've got in a wreck. Oh, I need to go buy car insurance. Well, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> you think it's going to help you there. You know, uh, and so, uh, you know, I need to, and really even more apropos, I, I need to buy health insurance. Well, you need this book before you buy health insurance because you can really see what a difference the type of policies you get 
time, the fact that none of them have a panacea approach, uh, you need to know what you're going to be dealing with in case issues come up. Phenomenal book. Uh, that's why we have David on. Uh, Dr. David Wilcox, always love having you on. Look forward to your next visit. Thank you. And remember, it's not a matter of if you're going to need health care. It's a matter of when you're going to need health care because we're all going to go through that journey and we're going to go through it individually. So these tools are out there to help you navigate that journey because it's going to happen for you. It's going to happen for a loved one at some point. Absolutely. Good note to end on. I am Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Stay tuned for more after this.